If you're looking for a clean, sober, professional, academic, well-researched, historically accurate, generally accurate, serious podcast on Southern folklore, ghosts, bizarre events, and unique people, this podcast is not for you. However, if you've decided you can live with that, then join us for The Strange South. Cheers. It was a strong. Cheers. Cheers. Woo-hoo. Hi, Patrice. Hi, Courtney. Hi, Malaya. Hey, Courtney. Hi, Cheers. Y'all got your fancy glasses. Look at you. Just a regular wine glass. Well, I wasn't sure what to yeah. drink it out of. <laughs> yeah, what do yeah. you drink sangria out of? Apparently anything. Anything. A shoe. A shoe. <laughs> a ladle. Mason jar for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because mm. I'm fancy like that. Tell us, Courtney. Tell us about the sangria. Well, this is the um, I, I named it Holiday Leftover Sangria. I made it a week <laughs> ago. We yes. did not record last week, so it got to sit because every recipe, which I just kind of made this one up, but every recipe says at least 24 hours. So whatever one week worth of hours is, is how many this was. <laughs> so many hours so So it's not just red wine it has uh cointreau Mm -hmm. brandied brandy Mm -hmm. cherry juice so Mm. i use things of recipes i've made before so i'll have to refer to those in the recipe i didn't rewrite how to make brandy cherries and then i used the cranberries from the drink marlea made the fire bourbon yes fireberry drink fire berries berries. yes (laughs) yeah and lots of fruit drunk very drunk fruit mm-hmm. <laughs> and cinnamon i like the cinnamon flavor in it i do mm-hmm. too it is delicious it is so mm. good so good, good. so it is two year anniversary december 13th Woo! happy anniversary consistency mwah, consistency mwah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly semi-consistency but hey we'll take it we'll take it this is, you know what it's you know? a fucking pandemic everybody gets a pass everybody get a pass. gets a pass my hair right now gets a pass you get a pass I you get, get a pass, pass. We all get a pass. Woo-hoo. Oh, man. <laughs> I totally hope, like, for our third year anniversary that we are live somewhere. God. Yes, I me too. so hope we are live somewhere. Have you experienced this, like, everybody now starting to, like, uh, next year, next year, now that there's a vaccine out, we're all saying, like, we are going to have the biggest fucking party every day. Yes. <laughs> we're going to want to party, like, all year next oh, year. it's after, going to you know. be, well, it's going to be, like, I'm going to have all my dentist appointments, all my hair appointments. I know. Party. Like, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Pedicure. I'm getting a mammogram. <laughs> get all my meds, right? Everything that I skipped this year. Um, uh, yeah. Like, schedule is going to be busy, crazy. And then social life is going to be off the chain. (laughs) (laughs) Never going to be home. (laughs) I wonder if the pandemic dreams will go away, though. I had another one last night that I was in a (sighs) large group of people and I wasn't wearing a mask and no one was wearing a mask. And I started panicking. 
because mm-hmm. uh, someone hugged me and I was holding my breath while they hugged me. And then I was going, but my mom is coming for Christmas in two weeks. I have to be in quarantine till then. That's what I was screaming oh, in my no. dream. Oof. I wonder if you were holding your breath, like actually in your sleep. I think I was. Wow. I do. I woke up not long after. Yeah. And I knew the lady. She's a very sweet person. I don't know why she was in my dream, but she was just hugging me. And I remember going, I've only hugged my mother one time. I'm not going <laughs> to hug you. <laughs> <laughs> anxiety dreams oh my gosh yeah no I had one the other week and I thought like I was really surprised because I thought you know I'm already used to the new normal and stuff and it's been a while since you know I've had one of those dreams like the summer but I had one where someone that's literally talking into my face oh my god from like inches away and that's a bad dream on any day yes and i'm like why do you not have a mask why do i not have a mask why are you even here i mean yeah it was it was total anxiety panic Mm. lord lord help but next year yes next next year we'll have a live show together that's right yes yes we will Mm -hmm. Woo. I don't really have any other like talking points beforehand other than just a shout out to everybody for still listening to us after two years. (laughs) (laughs) And for all those new people who maybe this is the first time that you've heard us um, check out like our 73 episodes previously, y'all. We've got some time into this this show let me tell you oh and thank you patrice for our anniversary gifts that were dropped today i love it yes um we all have dolly saint dolly and have her burning right over here i'm looking at her i'm afraid that i'd catch my plant on fire but yes make sure you trim that wick trim that wick before you light it (laughs) it was a pretty long wick was it not it's a very long wick and it burns like like hellfires (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on her head because i did not trim mine <laughs> oh, saint dolly saint dolly um, yeah i was like i had written at one point on the after show that i was like all i want to talk about is dolly parton mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't talk about anything else because dolly parton makes me happy <laughs> i know i love her i haven't checked out her new uh holiday series which i totally heard was cheesy and but, oh the christmas on the square yeah we need but, to do that as a as a group watch. We need we to do. do that as a fan watch. We, we definitely do. Any, I mean, I don't care how cheesy it is. I mean, my grandparents used to make me watch Lawrence Welk. You know, so <laughs> it's that's like my measuring stick. That's my ruler ruler as far as like measuring ruler as far as cheesiness goes with holiday specials. The all Lawrence i think of Welk show. when i think of Lawrence welk all i can think of is that saturday night live character with no hands like the tiny tiny hands like oh <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness well uh i don't think i have anything i don't think i have anything else either really up front cool. i've just been yeah i'm just drinking my sangria perfectly happily moving on along sangria saint dolly and sangria doesn't get better than that she would and sage she would appreciate sangria, it sangria saint, saint dolly saint dolly and sage and sage yes. 
something <laughs> to cleanse. Purify. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. That's my New Year's Eve. I'm going to mm-hmm. cleanse this whole place. Whole have new, year. new Year. Have I told on the show about the Jizai, the the Jizai at my house, the baby Jizai? No. no. So well, you need to explain first off Jizai. <laughs> so, so yes. when my when my older daughter was very small, she was obsessed with the baby Jesuses and every nativity set that we ever passed by to the point where she would like steal them. Like she's a toddler and she would walk by and she would take Jesus, not even thinking about it. Just like, Oh, this is for me. I'm just going to take it up. <laughs> Jesus and wanted friend, her um, to take him. So yes. Jesus called to her. <laughs> he did. He spoke but, to her. Uh, so not yes. a sin. I blame, I blame Fisher price because they made the nativity <laughs> Fisher price nativity with the little people. And they thought that it was all a game. <laughs> But um, yes, and we always kind of treat our nativity like a toy anyway. Like we put other toys in it, and I know, like I know Mr. other Bean. friends who do. <laughs> yes, I mean like everything. We've put like, I mean, Ursula the sea witch came to the nativity one year. We had Voldemort and Harry yeah, Potter in the Jesus nativity is last welcoming year. Welcoming to all, he is. He loves he everyone. Is. And um, we were going to put teeny tiny masks on ours this year, but we couldn't quite get the, they don't have ears, see? So it's it's very hard to get masks to stay on. But we said Jesus would, this is what Jesus would do. He would wear a mask. But anyway, so our friend Freddie got a big kick out of the fact that Avi loved baby Jesuses. And I call them Jesai because I think that's the appropriate plural of Jesus. And so every year for Christmas, Freddie would buy an individual Jesus from a different nativity and give it to her as a gift to the point. So she's 13 and we started. So I think we have 10 Jesai now that just belong to her that all get put up in one box and unwrapped. And I was taking a picture earlier for Instagram of my St. Dolly icon candle that you gave me and my sage. And I was like, there needs to be a Jesus in this picture. Where are the Jesai? And it's funny because in my house, there's so many of them now. I could just turn around and grab a Jesus from any direction. <laughs> it was like any Jesus I wanted was at my fingertips. That's and the best, so I, actually. I know. It's Jesus like is everywhere. everywhere. Jesus, baby Jesus is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. The Jesus are watching. The Jesus are watching you. <laughs> and not judging because Jesus didn't judge. No. Nope. Okay, that's kind of fitting a little bit in lines what I'm going to talk about tonight. Oh, yes. So this is a shout out to FKA, our very own fucking (laughs) Kellyanne, who wanted me to give her a shout out and then told me not to give her a shout out because it embarrasses her. So this is your big (laughs) fucking shout out, Kellyanne. (laughs) Thank you for this story and this rabbit hole because... First of all, I'd never heard of it. Second of all, holy fuck. And it's like, that's awesome. I'm very excited for this story. I all can't right. wait. I'm ready? ready. I'm ready. I'm You're ready. ready? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. So I'm going to be talking about the Georgia Guidestones. Have Ooh, you okay. heard of this? Oh, no. Yay. Because I hadn't either. Because I was like... <laughs> What the fuck is a Georgia Godstone? Godstone? Godstone is actually plural. Okay. So let me just tell you about this. So in Elberton, Georgia, which is near the South Carolina, Carolina line there, uh, about a hundred miles east of Atlanta, 
it is known as the granite capital of the world, which I had no idea that that was the granite capital of the world. Although there's no like statistics that qualify such a claim. So they merely said it and it was so, right? (laughs) As so many things down here in the South. Anyway, so in this town, there are granite monuments. There's like a granite museum with monuments. Anything that can be out made out of granite is in this town. And it's really kind of a wholesale place for like uh, funeral headstones. And like if your town wants a monument, that's where you would go is to this town and order you a granite monument from um, Alberton, Georgia. Well, one day in June of 1979, a stranger walks into town and he is looking to hire somebody to build him a monument, which is kind of out of the ordinary, but kind of not out of the ordinary. What was really strange is when this guy walked in, he would not give his real name. He would, he said, just call me R.C. Christian, and I represent a small group of loyal Americans. Oh, God. And the guy (laughs) who, like, was, uh, owned the granite business was like, uh, what the fuck, you know, kind of deal. Why won't you give me your real name? While the secrecy, uh, And he just like, he was like very like, this guy's crazy. I need to get rid of him Mm -hmm. kind of deal. But R.C. Christian brought with him a briefcase. And in this briefcase, he had drawings and this small model of this monument that he won't build that his group was going to fund. And first of all, you know, a guy walking into town, not using his real name with a suitcase with this scaled down weird monument thing he wasn't southern it was in the 70s late 70s this guy is like what the fuck right Mm -hmm. people don't normally do this so uh joe finley was the guy that owned the granite business he said well i'm just going to overprice this guy this project and the guy will balk and go away because i don't have time for this crazy right And so he said, you know, this is how much it's going to cost. And the guy was like, okay, when can we get started? (laughs) And the guy was like, oh, you know, well, first of all, if you're not going to give me your real name, how do I know that you have the finances to be able to like, you know, this is thousands and thousands of dollars for this, this huge monument that he's wanting to do. So not really, you know, as we do with most people, that seem crazy to us and we can we pass them off to somebody else <laughs> and that's, yep. what joe, hey, Bob, <laughs> that's what joe <laughs> finley did he's like that sounds fantastic hey let me have you talk to wyatt okay so wyatt martin <laughs> at this time was the banker there um in uh alberton and you know, this guy walks in and he's like, I can't reveal my identity, but we have the money and I need to, you know, get it to uh, this guy, Joe Finley, in order to build this monument that I want. And like, <laughs> the banker guy was like, okay, 
you know how this works. It's like, I can't go off a fake name or a pseudonym or anything like that. It's like, I've got to like have your name, social security, all that, you know, stuff. So he ends up, uh, R.C. Christian ends up telling Wyatt Martin, the banker, his true name, and he makes him sign a uh, non-disclosure contract promising that he would keep his secret for the rest of his life. Oh my God. All right. So he has the money and, uh, you know, the guy describes this project and this monument to him. And the guy thought, well, this is really kooky and crazy, but it will bring tourism to the town or to the area or wherever this thing is built. And the guy has money. So who am I to say or judge anything? Right. I totally want to guess what this monument is. It like an octopus? I know, me is too. It, okay, it, I'm, I'm going to come to it. Right? Stone Mountain. <laughs> so yeah, no. Is it Stone So Wide Martin, the banker, is an interesting character. I watched. There's actually a documentary called Dark Clouds Over um, Elberton, and it was really good. And I think it was actually a kind of a recent documentary. Because this thing, apparently not many people know about, I the fuck didn't know about it, uh, with the monument there, the Guidestones, uh, you know, it was such a mystery for so long and, and people just didn't know. And uh, Wyatt Martin was the only man who knows and he wasn't saying shit. So in this documentary, they're interviewing the guy and they... Um, you know, they have footage of when the Guidestones first went up and, you know, it made like definitely local, regional, maybe national news. I'm not sure. I don't think it was big enough to make international news. Um, but they had like footage of him talking and he was such like of the South Carolina foghorn leghorn dialect. <laughs> like he was, you know, just talking. I, I can't even I say it. I say son. just talking but the you know they showed that footage of when he was like middle-aged and then they have him talking about rc christian uh he's like way on up in his 80s and something he talks normal so i don't know what all that foghorn leghorn that he was talking about on in the 80s late 70s was all about but oh my gosh i'm going to talk more about him because i got a doozy of an after talk where things will be revealed, but I digress. Let's get back to the Godstones. So the dude, RC, had money and he had money to back up his plan and boom, the Georgia Godstone project was started. So the Georgia Godstones, what are they? What do they look like? Well, first of all, if you've ever seen Spinal Tap, you would know that the model <laughs> that R.C. Christian brought to the table was almost identical <laughs> to the Stonehenge uh, oh. model that they do in Spinal Tap. <laughs> and what he was wanting to do is to take this monument and buy uh, acres of land somewhere, a couple of acres, five acres of land, and uh you know put this there and have it like for people to use and i'm going to get to the it's it's there's significant there's significance in everything here 
It's just so, so it looks good. like a tiny Stonehenge. Is that it? Looks like that's, a small. That's Stonehenge? what it looks like. But that's it what was. his model was. That he but his model it. was right, and I'm going to get into the um, the <laughs> dimensions of it. So he had like this really like it was kind of Stonehenge's look like, and then it has like this outer part. It was it was a lot bigger design than what he normally intended but because like uh the marble guy or the granite guy charged him so much and it was so much more than they thought it would be they actually ran out of money like any other project known to man i don't think there's Mm -hmm. any project that's ever like actually quoted correctly so they ran out of money they didn't get to do like the big masterpiece like uh R.C. Christian wanted to do, but in March 22nd of 1980, the Georgia Guidestone construction was complete. So in a single word, what do the Guidestones look like? My single word would be ugly. Okay. (laughs) It looks like a person (laughs) took some two by fours Oh my God. And stood them up with a two by four on the top and said, this is what we're going to do. And I mean, <laughs> it looks, Stonehenge looks like, right? It, yeah, but no, uh, <laughs> let me, the spinal taps model of Stonehenge and then their final version looks way better than this. And, oh and I'm being God. very particular because I'm an, um, you know, art major, art professor, and it looks like one of those freshman 3D art projects that gets turned <laughs> in by an art student who doesn't give a shit because all they want to do is draw anime. I mean, that is like <laughs> what it looks like to a T. But anyway, these huge giant slabs, there's six giant slab, uh, granite slabs, and they uh, are 19 feet tall, actually 19 feet and three inches tall. And they weigh a total of 237,000 and some odd change pounds. Wow. So they're huge. They're huge and they're granite. So they're heavy as shit. And on these slabs, and this is the main point of what R.C. Christian wanted, are instructions or guides written in eight languages on these 19-foot monuments and they're, the gods are sandblasted in characters. There's like 4,000 characters and the letters are about four inches in height each. And functionally, what the godstones do, just like Stonehenge, uh, they astronomically align with the North Star and they're, they even had like the University of Georgia come out to make sure everything was correct instead of correct. And they also serve as an astronomical calendar. So every day at noon, the sun shines through this seventh, eighth inch hole in the center of the stone and illuminates the day's date on an engraving. And it also through some kind of scientific juju that I really don't know how to, it works. It, you know, predicts or it tells you when the solstices are. Um, so it's functional okay. as a calendar, basically. But the main purpose of this guidestone is what is inscribed on it. And the inscription, it says, let these guidestones, let these be guidestones to an age of reason. 
and written in four ancient languages, including Babylonian cuneiform, Egyptian hieroglyphics, Sanskrit, and classical Greek, along with eight modern languages in uh, Arabic, Chinese, English, Hebrew, Hindi, Russian, Spanish, and Swahili um, are these messages, are these guides. And they cover four major areas, governance and the establishment of world government, population and reproduction control, the environment Whoa. and humankind relationship to nature and spirituality. So here's the 10 gods of the Godstones written in all those languages. Number one, and remember this is written in 1979 where we are like at the height of the Cold War, a war with Russia and everybody thought we were going to have like nuclear holocaust at any moment. Mm -hmm. It was to maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature, guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. Number three, unite humanity with a living new language. Number four, Rule passion, faith, tradition, and all the things with tempered reason. Number five, protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts. Number six, let all nations rule internally, resolving external disputes in a world court. Number seven, avoid petty laws and useless officials. Number eight, balance personal rights with social duties. Number nine, prize truth, beauty, love, seeking harmony with the infinite. Number 10, be not a cancer on the earth, leave room for nature, leave room for nature. So that was finished in 1980. I can get behind those. Well. Oh, seriously. Yes, and <laughs> no. Patrice is like, ah, okay. Let, let me continue. Yes, okay. on the surface, a lot of them ideal, idealistically sound like, yeah, yeah, that's totally, totally behind that. So remember, this is out in, in the middle of rural Georgia. Uh, yeah, like why there? This is who this did is, they think? Future well, his story was. Find? Oh. His story was when he he walked in from the street. Um, that he had been a, um, he had served in World War II and that he had been stationed at a fort there in Georgia and he thought it was a beautiful place and that's why, that's where he wanted his monument. That was the story that he brought to the table, right? All right, so they build these godstones. They're in like a cow field uh, in Georgia, basically. I think they end up like doing a road and doing it nice paid. He bought the land for like $5,000, but then I think he uh, gave it to the city so that they would maintain it at upkeep. And of course it benefits the city because it is a tourist attraction. But besides being a tourist attraction, as soon as they went up uh, and as soon as 
local people of course they had been like everybody heard the rumor about the guy who won't give his name and mysterious group and having these strange things and it being the 80s so what do you think the first thing everybody in the area associates it with satanism satan yes so most people highly suspect of this person especially for not being a Southerner, right? Uh, Everybody knows when a non-Southerner walks into the town and starts spending money. Uh, So all these conspiracy theories go around, you know, all these people thinking this, you know, the occult, the Illuminati, I mean, just Satanist sacrifices, everything. Uh, (laughs) But it did get, you know, it did become national news. Yoko Ono, actually was a supporter of the inscriptions on the stone saying that words the words are stirring a stirring call to rational thinking a call she refers to uh the instructions for basic concepts required to rebuild civilization following a nuclear doomsday which was the cold world uh war uh kind of feeling of the time right so everybody thought like we were going to get blown up and we would need a way to find the North star and to establish a new society somehow. Okay. Let's talk more about like witches and Satanists and stuff like that. Yeah. (laughs) Let's do. Druids. Of course (laughs) they thought, you know, just like Stonehenge and the Druids and stuff, they they thought this was an occult structure. They didn't really know what to make of the wording um, of this, but local uh, fun-loving pagans started coming (laughs) out there and, you know, performing rites and ceremonies and drinking and having good times and, and stuff like that <laughs> but you know the, some of the uh more conservative christian people of the town were you know worried that it would attract these kinds of people and that there would start being sacrifices and stuff uh come up there but they're reading this and one of the instructions that really uh gave a lot of pause was the first rule which basically calls for genocide. So they did. I'm sorry, what? It, it basically yeah. called for genocide. So it basically Wait, read says that one again. That yeah. the, optim- the op- optimal number of people on the oh. earth in order to maintain it is 500 million. Yeah. Oh, that's the Thanos rule. Right. That's like, yeah. Right. <laughs> Thanos. Snap your fingers, get Snap rid of the your rest. fingers. Right. And solves all the, you know, and y- y'all, shit just is not that cut and dry, people. I'm, I hate to tell you that. No. That's, that's, <laughs> not a, that's not a good way to believe. All right. So local preachers, of course, had a field day with this. And it was definitely mm-hmm. a great way to get more people to attend church. But they were talking on the news about the Incas and the Mayans had structures like these where they performed human sacrifices. So it's just a matter of time before human sacrifices would just be a regular thing here at the <laughs> Godstones. It just like so much drama, so much all the things. And meanwhile, the city basically has hired a guy uh, that I think his dad helped put up the godstones and he's been working there ever since um and he is he's sent there to maintain like 
the cleanliness of, you know, he sent there to clean it up and to clean up all the graffiti. So he regularly like sandblast all the paint off of it or if people, you know, throw stuff on it or if they clog it up with uh, candle wax, whatever, whatever's <laughs> going on there. And he's just like, y'all, no, that's not what's <laughs> going on here. He's, he's never had problems. It's like, it's, it's a, um, it's like a roadside attraction thing. It's just interesting and people come here and, you know, of course some people may be dressed up in robes and chanting stuff, but they never hurt anybody. And there's no sacrifices that he has known of um, that has occurred there. I don't know of any sacrifices. You know, he's there's like- There's even he's, a funnel cake salesman. <laughs> right? <laughs> you can get your little miniature models at the thrift, at the- um, <laughs> local uh what is it called gift shop gift shop <laughs> yeah probably a thrift shop <laughs> that's about right <laughs> all right so so much and i highly recommend i'm going to put a link to the documentary i highly recommend y'all watch that documentary and do something else it's not one of those shows that you just like sit there and you watch just like do it while you're cleaning you're you know folding laundry <laughs> doing something have in the background because some of it's kind of like uh and there's some <laughs> you know there's as with any show that and I don't know where the people who shot this are from but with like with any documentary they're going to find people with the least amount of teeth to talk to I mean <laughs> It is like they just look for them, they you know, do. they must they just do. search Who can for them? we find, a, you know, that's a stereotype of the area. So there's, there's some pretty um, painful moments, that, but you get through it because the last part of this documentary, which we find out what the fuck's going on with RC Christian. And so there was literally newspaper articles that was basically what's the fuck going on with rc christian i mean are we they, gonna find out tonight you're gonna, you're find gonna out have tonight. to tell us oh totally right. gonna tell you so um <laughs> no i'm serious so there's a, there was a newspaper <laughs> article that said mr christian please come and explain yourself and this monument that was like the name of the newspaper <laughs> article people were just like so freaked out about it many locals mr. were thinking christian. that it it could have been, it was probably Ted Turner that built the structure and it was rumored to, uh, to have been him that built it because it jives with a lot of his beliefs and he has big money and he's a bit zany personality. But I figured that if Ted Turner like strolled into the middle of anywhere in the South, people would like recognize him and be like, oh yeah, that's Ted Turner. That's not RC Christian. So it wasn't Ted Turner. And... Uh, six years later, in 1986, a book came out by R.C. Christian to go along with the Guidestones that completely explained the mystery around them except for who he was. And in this book, it was called Common Sense Renewed, and it was published under the name Robert Christian, and it was sent literally to every member of Congress several thousands oh. of political officials uh, and influencers around the world, world. And he had clearly named the title um, based off of the revolutionary writer, Thomas Paine and his book of common sense uh, addressed to the inhabitants of blah, 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 blah. 
so it was basically like, you know, here's reason and this is what you need to do. It's common sense in order to achieve peace. However, RC's version of the book quickly dives into population control. Uh-oh. And it was something that we learned along the way that he becomes obsessed with. And he says in his book, once again, we must look to common sense to find new pathways to peace. We live in a time of great peril. Humanity and its proud achievements of its infancy on earth are in grave danger. Our knowledge has outstripped wisdom. We have controlled disease. Oh, shit. And we have (laughs) no regulated. uh, We have not regulated our numbers, right? Mm -hmm. So he was thinking we've done all of these great things. uh, Basically, you know, knowledge outstripped wisdom. We've lost our common sense and we have not regulated our numbers. And he had concerns as a conservationist. And this is what he called himself, a conservationist. And, you know, this is just, to me, this is just another white man telling us what we have to do with our bodies. Um, But like on the opposite spectrum of like the pro-life movement here, Mm -hmm. he he believed that reproduction should not be left up to the individual and that controlling Um, human human numbers would be a requirement of government oversight. And he even referenced China's uh, uh, requiring only one one child child policy uh, for family policy. All right. So R.C. referenced Thomas Paine, and Thomas Paine wrote this other book, Age of Reason. And some of the things, R.C. came into this town, and because of his name, everybody assumed he was a Christian. And he even told uh, Wyatt Martin, who he maintained contact with um, up until the 2000s. Uh, he, he wrote to him multiple times a year. Uh, he was a very prolific writer. And, um, and of course, Martin was the only person who knew his true identity. Nobody else in the town ever found out his identity. And so like everything that he would send Martin um, and even, you know, even when he published this book and this book was in support of the Godstones, he's like, this is why I built the Godstones. And he lays down everything um, which a lot of it has to do with population control um, and the reference to Thomas Paine, uh, Age of Reason, which people who have not studied um, Thomas Paine or history or don't remember maybe some of that from high school or college, uh, he was saying that we need to look for an age that is bereft of Christian influence. He was totally opposed to religion. And so um, he's saying, you know, instead of what we deem as Christianity, for the most part, whether this is practice or not, we tend to think as Christianity as being, uh, our Christians being as people who have mercy, who care for those who are different, um, who take care of people down on their luck in society. But this did not fit into the world of R.C. Christian, nor into Thomas Paine's, who was like, you've got to get rid of that thinking in order to, uh, you know, 
basically maintain living your best life is really, you know, what it boils down to. So it's weird that he came in proclaiming that he was a Christian when all of his ideology infers that he was against any kind of religion. Um, and it was more, it was more of a global, um, you know, don't let Christianity rule or govern your life. You need to be able to stand on your own two feet and think for yourself. This is, you know, I'm, I'm generalizing. Um, so anyway, in this interview during this documentary, documentary with the banker, uh, you know, the interviewer brought to, and I don't know if the banker Wyatt Martin was really aware of this and from his reply I don't gather that he really knew uh, who Thomas Paine was and really what the means that this guy was talking about you know with the population control and all that and so you know the interviewer told uh, Wyatt Martin he's like you know what he's talking about he's talking about getting rid of Christianity and all the world's religions um, in order to maintain peace. And, you know, Foghorn Leghorn was like, he said, quote, boy, he's in a tough place today, isn't he? Right. So inferring <laughs> that, you know, maybe WC Christian was not in heaven um, for his beliefs. And then during the after talk, we will talk about what like offshoot that banker Wyatt Martin goes off on that kind of took me by surprise, but also had me rolling my eyes the whole entire time. We'll talk about that. <laughs> so become a patron so that you can pay your $3 and hear me talk about this banker. All right. So this documentary took five years uh, to make. It started out oh, not knowing wow. who the frick rc christian was finding out as much as he can of course the banker is the guy that holds the key to who this guy is and really what his and actually i don't even think he holds the clue uh or knew what this guy's true intent was or if he did he did a really good job passing it off that he didn't know but i don't think he did um so you know rc christian was like a very prolific writer and during the um, the guy doing the interviews was actually you know pretty smart. He asked like some pointed questions directly, like you know, can you tell us who he is? But then he also asked some roundabout questions that kind of gave us cl more clues about who this fellow was. And he got uh, banker Martin to open up one of his huge boxes that um, and, and they had letters like. The banker had letters, the granite people had letters and just letters upon letters that they had like actually saved. And it's just like crazy shit. Like one of the letters uh, that was read back and kind of started the um, interviewer like down the quest to finding out who this guy was, but also was very interesting because it connects back to something that we've talked about before. And I was so excited. Like I squealed when I watched it and, and heard them talking <laughs> about this, but let me get to it. So to whom comes upon this presenting? So this maybe tells who's behind the group behind this. Uh, 
This is written in the 1970s. This was written in the 1970s. This is within a stack of papers that was actually sent to okay. the granite guy. Why? Who the fuck knows? Don't know. <laughs> Contained herein are the keys. I don't know if they're talking about like literal keys or like metaphorical keys or, or, or what. Um, that have been awaited to be placed here in proper sequencing and in proper order to announce the return and the activation of those events of prophecy that signal these events. Those who have guarded this great mystery and who have guarded the evolution of human species itself are returning. It has begun. Oh, Jesus Christ. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> when I read that, I'm, I'm just like, I'm giddy. I'm so giddy. Because I'm like, this is so fucked up shit. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Because the next thing that they said in that letter was rc christian blah 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 otherwise known unto the contingency that is responsible <gasps> for the erection of this monument is christian rosencrantz 1378 through 1484 what the keys blah 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 delivered to alberton star newspaper blah 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 who's supposed to deliver to the atlanta rosicrucian society okay might sound familiar maybe not christian rosencrantz this is like one of the most secret of secret societies the rosicrucians uh most historians seem to believe you ready that the count of saint germain from episode thirty, all hell Saint Germain, the most uh, famous uh, Louisiana vampire, created this society. Jesus uh, Christ! Oh. No way! So the secret society has a symbol of like the rose and the cross and a lot of their beliefs are pagan and Christianity, which I mean, honestly, if you've done any surface skimming level of Christianity, historical facts and paganism, you know that Christianity relies heavily on, on previous religions and pagan beliefs. So they draw heavily on, on these beliefs and they were saying that maybe uh, Christian Rosencrantz was like, you know, the Rosencrucians was what uh, RC stood for. Of course, uh, they asked, you know, they actually, there was the Atlanta Rosicrucian Society. There are people that said, you know, actually, and it may still be there, I don't know. There's a society in Atlanta and they called them up and they say, hey, you know anything about this and they denied ever knowing anything about this they talked hmm. to the um alberton stars like hey have you happened to receive any keys that we know about <laughs> and what, what the fuck's that going on like <laughs> has it begun what, what prophecy are we talking about here you know this is like some luminati shit right I, well mm -hmm. i keep thinking of um uh lovecraft country yeah the, right the, the group oh. the atom my god the this is like this is a yes. book waiting to be written. <laughs> yeah. this Definitely. is this is so so the the rose like illuminati stuff like the rosicrucian links the godstones to excellent actually 
Freemasons because in oh. their 18th degree of Scottish Rite Masonry, whatever the fuck that means, that's just what they said. It was known as Night Rose Crow Qua, Night Rose Qua, which means Rose and Cross, right? Hmm. And so maybe Rose and Cross is what RC stands for. And again, these groups promote the same philosophy. They have faith in man rather than the trust of God. So there's kind of like a common theme going on. Um, R.C. saw his solutions um, as the solutions to all of humanity's uh, ills and that he would usher in a golden age. Talk about an ego, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> but that's what he thought. So dark clouds over um, Elberton, Georgia, or, you know, the Godstones documentary, they found out who R.C. Christian is. Oh my and God. if you want to know oh my God. the documentary or become a Patreon patron for $3 so and listen it's for so the after talk. <laughs> I am going to reveal all and tell you my big feelings on the revelation because it only gets crazier. (laughs) So mean. I know. You're not going to tell us right now. No. I want to (laughs) know. So these Godstones are still there. You can go visit them. Yeah. Well, I want to retract my statement. I'm not for genocide, okay? (laughs) Just like. Let me make that really clear. I can get behind. I'm pretty sure everybody is not the, for genocide. The idea of the one world, one language, get rid of frivolous politicians, you know, um, diversify. There, that was even one, good, right? Are, diversify. That's not yeah, usually balance with diversify. nature. There, if taken and but, um, the, a good light of a, a um, caring thoughtful compassionate um person there are some there are some good guidelines there to go by but if you listen to the after talk <laughs> all will be revealed well again <laughs> not for genocide let's just go ahead retract retract <laughs> okay we're, we're gonna put that out there courtney marlea <laughs> and patrice do not genocide. promote genocide overpopulation is a problem but there are other ways <laughs> right right Education. Oh exactly <laughs> shit <Woo. laughs> patrice shame on you oh my god <laughs> all right all right i guess we're gonna break now are we gonna break now <laughs> well you better get the after talk we'll right back okay after these messages we'll be right back do you want more strange south every week we can help You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and you can join our Facebook fan group, Fans of the Strange South Podcast, to keep the chat going with our whole creepy community. Do you have a story idea for us or a story of your own to share? Email us at stories at thestrangesouth.com. Plus, if you join our Patreon, you not only help support the podcast, you get an exclusive bonus episode for every show and a discount on merch. You can find links to all of these things on our website, thestrangesouth.com, along with photos, links, and show notes from every episode, Strange South t-shirts, mugs, and other goodies. See you there.
<laughs> and we're back. The, the mystery man is <gasps> not We don't know. Dun, don't dun, even dun. let them think we know. We have to wait just like they do. I know. We we don't know. She hasn't told Ooh. us. All right. Hence well, I got I'll try out during break. Right? Yes. <laughs> Nobody else is going to want to listen to me now because they're all being, who's the damn mystery man? <laughs> well, you're not going right. to find out now. So listen no. to Marlea. Marlea always has the better story anyway. <laughs> I do not. Do. <laughs> I've got. I've got a story. I actually have a story, and I guess it's fitting that it's our anniversary because it's probably a year ago since she started asking me to look into this, is one that Jen has thrown to me multiple times. Is, have you looked into this yet? Have you looked into this yet? And yeah. I have even talked about it a few times, and um, and I was always like, I just can't find enough. And I looked back at it last week, and I was like, that's enough. We've we've got enough now. <laughs> we've reached maximum. Capacity. We've reached capacity. Um, minimum capacity. So you know, it's um, uh, all my my sources for this are like National Geographic Explorer, Birmingham Post Herald, Montgomery Advertiser, AL.com, and the Cult Education Institute. This is Ooh. about uh, a group called Caritas of Birmingham. What Caritas? Um, so. Caritas. Caritas. C-A-R-I-T-A-S. Caritas. Okay. Of Birmingham. And but it actually doesn't start in Birmingham. So the story starts in like uh southeastern Europe in what I think was Yugoslavia when the story happened in 1981, but is now Bosnia and Herzegovina. I don't know how to say that. <laughs> Herzegovina. That's good. Herze uh, hey, listen to you. Herzegovina. Why do you know this? I don't know. Why do you know this? It said a lot. I don't know how. You're genius. Bosnia and Herzegovina. Bosnia and Herzegovina. That is where this story takes place. So, <clears throat> on June 24th in 1981, in this there's this tiny poor farming village called Medjugorje, and um, it's in that area. And there were six Croatian Catholic children who are walking up a hill together. And this is like wartime. I mean, there's Patrice is just like, oh, what the hell are you doing? No, I, I will explain to you my reactions. But I'm sorry for interrupting, but go ahead. Go ahead. It's just so funny because nobody in this radio can see. <laughs> no, nobody just... in the internet radio can see my face. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to so distract. So these Croatian children are walking up a hill and they see a figure holding a child signaling for them to come close to, to her. But it looks like she's sort of shining or glowing and it looks like she's sort of in the sky and they freak out. So they run home. But the next. Yeah, as you do. Hopefully, you know, I mean, that's the right. intelligent thing to do. But the next day, they all have this urge to go back to the hill and check out the place where they saw this person because six of them had the same experience and had the same feeling. So at the same time as the day before, they run back up the hill and they see the same figure. She's, this time they don't run away. She's smiling. She's dressed in a silver gown with a white veil. They, one of the articles said she had loving blue eyes and was crowned by 12 stars. Her voice is sweet like music. And they all had this recognition that they were looking at the virgin mary oh and like, so, did she have a long finger <laughs> spear finger <laughs> um she uh but no they they um they prayed to her 
And, um, you know, one of them had recently lost her mother and she asked the Virgin Mary about her mother and the Virgin Mary told her that she was fine. She was safe. She was with her. Um, and so they all talked to her for a little while and they ask if she'll return the next day. And she says she will. So within a week, there is a following of people coming up the hill with these six kids because they've gone back every day and every day they've come back saying that they've had like apparitions appear to them and it becomes known as apparition hill so every night at 5 40 p.m they see something they see the virgin mary up the hill and they talk about healings being done there and prayers being answered they say that the virgin mary is giving them messages to give to the rest of the world um so this started in 1981 with these six kids an article that I read in 2013 said that Medjugorje became one of the most popular Catholic pilgrimage sites in Europe. That like throngs of more than a million people a year come to hear the messages that those six visionary children continue to relay every day and to pray and to ask for wisdom and healing at this they site. They still do this in 2013. So, in 2013, people were still doing like a million people a year. I know, but more than a million people a year. But the same six children. Wait, I was confused. It was, yes, it was the same. No, it was they're not well, children right, anymore. They're adults. <laughs> but the same six okay, people it was the who had gone up the hill, several of them stayed in Medjugorje and would continue okay. to give messages from the Virgin Mary every day. Or, or at a certain set time every, however, you know, they would say when they were going to give messages. So they basically became her apostles. Pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. So I'm, I'm, I wasn't, I'm not that familiar with like the, my mom's Catholic or was Catholic and became Protestant. I have friends who are Catholic, but I'm not like intimate with the Catholic faith. I don't know all the ins and outs. If you've only if you're in that situation like me or you only heard about it through Protestant youth group leaders, um, no, Catholics do not officially worship the Virgin Mary. That's not a worship thing, it's a reverence thing. Um, so the stance of the Vatican that the Catholic Church worships Mary, it's that you revere the Virgin Mary. Um, so Medjugorje has been a tender spot for the church because of the things that are going on there, the number of people that go, and because it kind of walks that line between reverence and worship with the healing miracles and the apparitions reported. They're, they're not, that kind oh, of thing isn't something. The line. It went over it. They're worshiping. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's worship. Right. Yeah. And I mean, we've, if we've seen any, you know, in the Catholic horror movies, we know that the church likes to look into apparitions and miracles. Like they, we don't just, you know, you don't right. just take them for what they're said to be. So, you know, it's, it's a tender spot with the church right. at this time. I'm sure. Yes. <clears throat> so in 2015, 30 billion people had visited that site by not, not in one year, right. but by 2015, it was said that 30 billion people had visited Medjugorje. That's Still, a lot. Holy yeah. fuck. Um, it was one of the most popular shrines in Europe, um, and people from all over the world went, including uh, a landscaper from Birmingham, Alabama, named Terry Cola Francesco. He went in 1986. Um, now, so he had visited and then had gone home to his his um, property outside of Birmingham. And then in 1988, 
one of the six visionaries from Medjugorje, whose name is Maria Pavlovich Lunetti, she visited Birmingham because her brother was having a kidney surgery and she was there to donate a kidney to her brother at UAB hospitals. And while she was there, she stayed at Terry Cola Francesco's house. He had reached out and said, you know, I will host you, you know, I'll take care of you while you're here. And while she was at his house, she had a vision of Mary and shared, you know, it, and a lot of the messages that they get just had been, I mean, kind of just what you would think is kind of run of the mill, like peace and love sort of messages. People kind of yeah. yeah. And I mean, I haven't, I, I should have probably looked more carefully at what they all have been and like what the progression of them has been. I don't know what all Mary says to these people, but um, she had a vision when she was at Terry Cola Francesco's house. And then on Thanksgiving day, that same year, she was still at their house and she had a vision in a field outside their house under a pine tree. And um, Caritas of Birmingham, this organization that grew up in this property, um, it now owns the place where she had this vision in the field under the pine tree and has placed a statue of the Virgin Mary there. And after she had the vision, people started to flock to Birmingham to see the place where Maria Lunetti had had this vision. And this was in what um, year? 1988 was when she visited Terry Cola Francesco. And he created this Caritas organization based around like her vision at his house and in his field. And it kind of encompassed all his property and then some after a while. And um, Maria Lunetti made visits to Caritas almost every year from 1988 to 2015. And her most recent visit was um, the end of October of last year. So over this time, she started having visions in Terry's bedroom at the foot of his and his wife's bed. So that became another sacred site on the property. Wait. I know. I got well, questions I too. Foot of their bed. I got what? questions about that too. Okay. I don't know, man. I don't know. Okay. We'll talk about that in the after talk. <laughs> too. I guess so, man. I we'll don't know about that. in the after talk. <laughs> <laughs> but so she tells the people at Caritas the day before the visions when the visions will be. So like she said, the Virgin Mary tells her in advance when she will appear next. And then Maria tells the people from Caritas so that they can all be in the right place at the right time when the Virgin Mary decides to talk to her. She wants to put it on the calendar. So, make sure she has the invite. I know everything is well planned. There. Everything's very. <laughs> She's like, are you going to be available for the Zoom? Um, exactly. Exactly. Need to know. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, let's see. In 2011, the Caritas website said that the the sites of the bedroom and the field of apparitions at Caritas had been graced by 156 apparitions of the Virgin Mary over 21 years. And in 2012, 15,000 pilgrims have visited Caritas from all over the country, outside of Birmingham, Alabama. <laughs> uh, so we're in um, the wrong business. Sorry. Right? I know. <laughs> Did you have any idea that there was a freaking Catholic cult right down the street from oh us? Oh my gosh. I'm pretty sure no. some of this fruit but, from this sangria may look like the Virgin Mary. 
we can. <laughs> this, this, um, You're gonna have to take a picture. Look, Pictures are didn't this happen. This wine stain on my lip looks a bit virginal. Oh my god, we're going to like hell. Jesus and toast um, is Mary in a Mary in a cherry. Jesus and toast. <laughs> happy anniversary i'm I'm gonna make the virgin joke that could go along with that (laughs) oh jesus oh no after talk (laughs) good i'm glad this is the best this is the best so okay so um so this caritas place exists because of these apparitions and this woman who's been you know bringing her bringing her merry visions and um so people started when they came to see the the shrine and you know listen to the apparitions when maria was was there because it's not like she's there all the time she just travels on and off and so people would come and they would decide that they're going to move to Caritas. Terry Cola Francesco says that he wants to create a community where people follow full-time veneration of Mary as a lifestyle. So followers come and give up their worldly lives to move into Caritas and support the ministry. So they start operating their own school, their own sawmill. I know, right? <laughs> A gift shop, of course, course. where I'm sure you can buy your own tiny Mary, cherry Mary (laughs) and um, and and they and their own farm. I think it's like 150 uh, acres or something is this property. I can't remember. But um, so and the and what they call the Tabernacle of Our Lady's Messages, which is a shrine in um, Shelby County on highway 43 in Starrett, alabama which is right outside i guess of birmingham okay and that so this is a the tabernacle of our Lady's messages is a four-story building that contains a massive publishing operation that produces right five hundred thousand booklets a week Mm -hmm. sent worldwide to support the visions and promote the visions uh i know right i got a got a couple things um so yeah cola francesco writes of course most of these booklets under his pen name a friend of medjugorje and um he says that he has printed 116,000 copies of his latest 921 page book called they fired the first shot which advises christians to prepare for a world economic collapse by living on farms where they can raise livestock and grow their own food like real militant survivalists so I know 900 and what pages 921 pages and if you hear this guy on the radio (laughs) oh my god this guy can I know there is no way oh my god this book has got to be a piece of work but um so in 2013 Caritas erected a 38 foot tall concrete cross on top of a mountain in Shelby County that apparent they say that you can see it from the highway from 20 like I don't I can't I think be. I know no, this, it's this one. one from Shelby County Highway 43. Yeah. On Highway 43 in Shelby County, you can see the the giant cross that he's built. Um let's see. They finished construction just as let's see, in what in 23 uh, 2013 in July, just when all these pilgrims were going to get there to do their annual meeting with Maria. So um, it's called the Penitentiary Mountain Cross. 
And God, it's, what a horrible name. Isn't it what bad? I know. It's so bad. It's, um, it's like 1,200 feet elevation. And there's a trail that they've built up the mountain for pilgrims to walk. It's got 14, like, it's like the Stations of the Cross that you do on the way. Um, so the church, the church is not historically approved of this organization. And they're, they don't allow mass to be said there. So they're like, yeah, y'all aren't ours. But yeah. um, so, however, they, he has built up a community of like 50 believers at the, at the last article that I read about it, including children who live at the Caritas farm on Shelby County Highway 43, raise cattle, chickens, work these, these pub, the publishing house. They do all the work. They work the sawmill, you know, all this stuff. Oh, so yeah. they. That's what you do in a cult. Exactly. And it's, I mean, it's 100% a cult. They leave their homes, they leave their families, their jobs, their school, turn over all their assets, money, mm. savings. The 2013 tax oh. forms said that Caritas had $4 million revenue and eight and a half million dollars in assets. And people walk in and they're just like, yep, take my money, take my stuff. I'm giving myself over to you. Which is kind of, it's weird because that's one of those Christian things is like being able to lay down everything to follow God, unfortunately, Terry Cola Francesco is not God. Right. So, um, right. so they say that in letting go of all these worldly things, you're opening yourself up to what God wants you to do. So Terry owns and runs Caritas, says it's about Mary, the Virgin Mary, wanting radical change in our country. And that's kind of the theme of his cult. So former residents and members of Caritas say that he doesn't allow you to have TV. He doesn't allow magazines. He doesn't allow radio. You get your information from him and that's it. Nobody else. People who live there work warehouses. They work extra long because there aren't that many people there. And then they have several hours of mandatory prayer after every work shift. And, um, <clears throat> He's talked about like focusing his prayer on saving the United States, which he believes is in moral decline. So, you know, I dug around his website where he shares all the details of every visit from Maria. And um, one from 2011 talks about a play that the school put on for her when she was visiting from, um, from uh, Medjugorje. And there was no reference to content of the play or anything. It was like the school children from their Caritas school had put this on and she loved it was the only thing that the little blog post said, but there were all these pictures below and the pictures must've been of the play that the school put on. And they were pictures of men dressed as Confederate soldiers and a child dressed as an angel comforting a fallen soldier. And it looks like just the same old, like antebellum worshiping bullshit. Like this is just like, conservative like alt-right bullshit like written all over this cult uh, it's crazy so um there was a guy named mike o'neill who was part of caritas um he became a follower he convinced his wife to uproot their family which they had older grown daughters who had moved away but they had one daughter who still lived with them and so he and his wife and their daughter kira left their home in Cincinnati, sold it, sold everything, and moved to Caritas to live. All their money goes to Terry. Um, and once they moved there, their older daughters would try to contact them, and they never realized that anybody was trying to reach out to them because all the mail was screened before going to members. If there was what you anything, do in a cult? cult what you do in a cult? Serious. And if there were anything that was problematic, it wouldn't get delivered. He wouldn't let anybody accept phone calls. He didn't like unsupportive family members. Hmm. So 
finally, Mike's wife left the group. And this was like nine years in, though. And um, Mike and Kira are still there and they have been there for nine years. So his wife leaving kind of opened his eyes to some of the stuff that Terry was doing and his power issues. And um, so Mike decided he's going to leave too, but his daughter has basically grown up in this and she won't go. So after he's out, he of course can't get through to her. He can't send mail or talk to her on the phone. And she was told that she shouldn't talk to him. And he, for years, like worked to investigate. He was former FBI. So he's like investigating Carrie Toss, investigating Terry, you know, trying to, he sued them. He, um, tried to expose them on television interviews. He got like national media attention I'm for sorry. a short while. But everybody needs to watch the Scientology with Leah Remini. Remini, Remini. Oh yeah, because uh, this is textbook Scientology cult. Yeah, bullshit. but go ahead. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I mean, it's it really does. You're right. It sounds like cult 101. Mm-hmm. Um, but so Mike O'Neill did all this to get his kid out of there, but he was killed in a plane crash in 2001. Oh, God. And, and in at Caritas, apparently from what people said who were there, Terry told everybody that Mike got what he deserved and that this is what happens when you disobey and you move out of mm, Caritas. Good Christians. Go ahead. So that's what changed Kira's mind. And like, there was a former member who said like, there's nothing that really technically keeps you there. Like, the cars have the keys in them. The doors are never locked, but you don't feel like you can ever leave. And that was the way that Kira felt. She was just like, you know, she could just get up and go, but she couldn't just get up and go. And so they, she ended up finding out a way to reach out to her family. And they, they worked over a course of several days to create like a system of ropes in the wood around the farm that would lead her out of Caritas to the road but that, you know, without having to turn on a flashlight or having to have lights that she could just follow the ropes. And her mom met her at the road and, and took her because she, she knew that if she talked to Terry or anybody else, it would before she, left, she wasn't going to go. Yeah, yeah. She wasn't going to be able to leave. So, um, of course there have been multiple lawsuits against this place. Um, like I mean, just tons of things that people have claimed he lures people to carry toss, um, let's see he controls their lives um parents have sued on behalf of their children because the children like kira would stay um let's see all of his assets were gained through illegitimate donations pressure tactics shady business deals fraud misrepresentation you know intentional infliction of emotional distress false imprisonment brainwashing poor schooling is he claiming to be a church is he tax exempt is he tax exempt? I don't think so, but I don't know. I'm not right. sure. I see that it's um, called a and mission. And I know that 2005. Online, yeah, I think, it's... yeah. So in 2005, he reached a, a confidential settlement with one of those lawsuits. Some of them have been dismissed. One of them he settled. But yeah, I guess. So yeah, it's called a mission online. And it's, I don't know, it's just so weird, but it is, it's still active. So there's still people that live there. It still has, you know, like I said, Maria visited last October of not this year, but last year. She she wasn't at Caritas from 2015 to 2018, probably because like years ago, the church had opened an investigation on the validity of the apparitions at Medjugorje. And around 2015, that started getting public attention. And 
it wasn't looking good at the time. And so maybe that's why she didn't come then. But um, yeah, I tried to listen to what he has on his website for, um, for Caritas, which is, I think it's Medjugorje.org. I'll, I'll send it to you, but um, he, he doesn't even use his name. He only uses his friend of Medjugorje pen name and he runs this Medjugorje radio that, um, you know, because I think legally that separates him from whatever the fuck he says. Yeah, it, it may like the reason why, why does that's what they do in Scientology. And that's also what they did in Nexium. It's like they went by titles and not name. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, I listened to a little bit of his rant. I mean, he's 100% Trumper. He is, you know, 100% overthrow shit, homophobic, paranoid, pro-death penalty, pro-gun, just the same old alt-right conspiracy bullshit. Um, and he just, he sounds like a fucking psycho. And there are people who are following him and living with him and being manipulated by him, apparently, still, I guess. But um yeah, I so anyway, there's um there's a National Geographic uh episode uh of what was it? Explorer, I think, that was about this that had a lot of talk about Medjugorje and Caritas. And um so yeah, watch that if you're interested. Um I know the Catholic Church, they still haven't closed their investigation on Medjugorje and everything with the apparitions. They like the Pope has has Pope Francis has criticized people relying on visionaries and seem to target the visionaries of Medjugorje specifically. But then in 2019, the Catholic church approved pilgrimages to Medjugorje as legitimate, I guess, but they still don't have a ruling on like the apparitions authenticity. And I don't even know if that would matter at Caritas or not. You know, I mean, they're not going to care the church already doesn't support them really. So they're not going to care if it's legitimate to them or not. So, um, yeah, but apparently that's still out there. And if you know of any, I know we may, um, we may be able to have Jen. She's told me about, you know, family and, and friends that she's known because she went to Catholic school. She's Catholic. She went to Catholic school in Birmingham and um she may you know be interested in kind of getting on the mic and telling us anything that she might know about it but if you're familiar with this group or know anybody who went in it or has gone to see the apparition people or anything like that i'd love to hear from you because it's weird all like the paper trail on this as far as the news just peters off after like 2013 2015 and it just there's hardly anything that you can find that's more recent than that but his website is still up and he's still regularly posting you know radio programs and he still has instructions on how to get there for your pilgrimage to caritas so it says on the site the letter they're responding to that says that they are uh catholics in good standing they are a mission and not officially connected to the diocese but it's like the knights of columbus are also in the same position not officially under the church, right. but are very Catholic. Yeah, I went to Catholic school. Um, I have a lot of great friends that are Catholic. I love Catholics. They're funny. <laughs> All my Catholic <laughs> friends are funny and great people. Um, mm-hmm. It's really interesting. So I've been homeschooling my kid, and I'm part of this uh, secular homeschooling 
community on Facebook because a lot of the homeschooling, especially in Alabama, is more kind of religious based. And I yeah, I, I wanted a lot of uh kind of non not no religion, but non a specific religion. Um and somebody mentioned following this group called Raising Children Unfundamentalist. Um and it's so I joined it because they said they had like a lot of good tips as fun, like the different religions and, and having a, a broader view of what religion is and what it means to all kinds of different people. And not just the, you know, Christianity that we have here um, in the South and stuff. And so it is, it's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. Some of the stories that um, are coming out uh, of these women who have broke from their fundamentalist groups and talking about what was done and how things were run and how they were told to behave. And, um, you know, they're basically in this group trying to teach their children better, but it's, it's heartbreaking. It's really, mm-hmm. it's hard to read some of the stuff. Um, and it pisses me off <laughs> so mm-hmm. bad. Mm-hmm. Anyway. We'll get more into that in the after talk. <laughs> well, I had no idea we had our that. own cult that's 60 miles away. No, Jerry, either. Huh? Yeah. It's crazy. That was a first. That was a great story and horrifying. Well, thanks to Jen, because yes. Jen has been like, you got to look into this. You got to look into this. So I did the best yeah. I could. <laughs> no, you did fantastic. That, that's awesome. Uh, I, yes. Very good. good stories. Love well, tonight, y'all. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. <laughs> we'll Thanks say bye to everybody so that we can find out who the mystery <laughs> man is. We will know before <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> bye. bye Thanks, everyone, for listening. Bye.